I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. In episode 106 of the Food About Town Podcast, continuing my series of podcasts with my friend Brian from Boston, who we're doing this obviously remotely. So we're trying a few things out. Uh, I did buy a microphone for him, so future episodes of these will sound somewhat better anyways. This one wasn't too bad, definitely completely listenable, but um, in the future you'll have the same microphones I do in the studio, so it should sound a lot better. Anyway, so in this episode we talked about home cooking, including the meal delivery kits like Blue Apron and HelloFresh, talked through some of my experiences with those, and also talked about our... Um, our home cooking techniques, some of our favorite dishes, some of our inspirations. So hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please let me know at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram, Food About Town on Facebook, and you can find my friend Brian on Twitter at his handle C-H-U-E underscore on underscore this. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back with more episodes very soon. Thanks for listening. Friday here in Rochester. I'm nearing the end of my extended break and taking advantage of it a little bit by recording some podcasts and trying something a little bit different. I've got my friend Brian on Skype today from live from Newton, Massachusetts. Hello, everyone. Hi. I, I appreciate your high energy delivery. It's still it's only ten thirty in the morning and it's Friday and it's hot. It is hot. Can you blame me? It, it is like it's going to be like eighty-five here today, which it's like summer, except for we're in May. I'm sure everybody's That's way going. Too hot. Everybody's going crazy. I'm sure because it's Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be beautiful, and I'm like, oh, it's too much hot. I mean, when you're used to sixty-five degrees all year, it's really nice. It's not really that nice when it becomes eighty-five and a swamp outside. Yeah, and yeah, because I'm. I'm going out to the Finger Lakes for the weekend, staying on Seneca Lake with a, with a bunch of guys for a uh, pre-wedding gathering, which should be a very good time, doing a Seneca Lake wine tour. You, you, you can't... You, here, here's the problem with this whole Skype thing. So I, I don't mind the whole the audio part. That's like having a phone call. I'm good with that. Then I look down at the iPad sitting in front of me, and Brian's like, I want attention. I'm going to point at my hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's killing me. And yes, well, so he is. Be recording these. Yeah, you via, are. Via video. Well, I, I don't have that set up yet. Don't, don't. Yet. Yeah, don't, don't kill me on this. I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm going to have to record it on Skype on the computer, maybe, so I can record it. I don't think I can do that on the iPad. Probably not. Thanks. I appreciate your technical acuity distracting me and then telling me I can't do what I want to do. That's what I'm here for. That's what, what, several years have done? Yeah. All right, fine. I'm going to get back to what I was actually talking about before fine. you distract me by pointing at your Rochester Plates hat. I get it. You you have a Rochester Plates hat. Thanks. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, hanging out in Seneca Lake this weekend and... I think we're, we're organizing a wine tour for Saturday, which looks to be a beautiful day, uh, exploring some of the west side of Seneca Lake, which I've done a fair amount of. And I'm very excited this uh, to introduce some other people to wineries I've started to really love, uh, like Hickory Hollow, uh, obviously Herman Weimer, Shaw Vineyard, 
hopefully getting up to Fox Run, maybe Billsboro. I don't know if we're going to get as far as ravines, but that west side of Seneca Lake and uh, eating at the Wienery for lunch, their fourth anniversary weekend, I'm uh, very excited about that. We actually we visited a couple of those places when you were down here, didn't we, Brian? The wineries on Seneca Lake. Yeah, we went to yeah we went to a couple places, um, and but we also did that um, that cidery. Oh yeah, South Hill Cider. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. Are you guys are you guys gonna go down there or just stay around the region? I don't think we're gonna get that far. Um, we're we have a a rental a little van rental that day, so I don't I don't think we only have like six hours. So oh, okay. I, I think we're going to stick mostly to the west side. If they want to, we can squeak over to the east side and go to like Bloomer Creek or Damiani, which is an extra like 15 minutes and yeah, 15, 20 minutes to get over there. It really depends on what they want to do. I have many options because I've become a Finger Lakes wine nerd. <laughs> so you're not doing a full region exploration. Just want to get some at least some good highlights in. Yeah, not like we did. We, we went everywhere when you were down here. That was exhausting. It was a long day because we went down. It was also really hot. It was very hot. We went down. What did we do? We went down to uh, Element Winery and checked that out. Right. With, um, uh, I think it's uh, Robert Bates or Bob Bates. He was uh, Christopher Bates' dad. We did a tour of their facility, which was really cool. Then we did South Hill Cider. We recorded a podcast out there. That was great. Uh, we got it wasn't port- really a we there. It was more of you two. Well, I mean, you didn't want to talk. I was there for moral support. I gave you the option of talking. I don't really have the acumen to talk about to talk about cider. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you, you didn't want to talk about cider, so we we recorded in his wood shop, which was beautiful. <laughs> and then what? What else did we do? We went out to a couple other wineries. We did Bloomer Creek, right? Which was and then really I almost nice. destroyed my almost destroyed my axle in my car driving to get some coffee which place was oh that was in that was in ithaca wasn't it we went to game yeah yeah ithaca had a couple potholes that day (laughs) that was that i remember that that was intense that that hit pretty hard that was a good one yeah that that was was a good good one one. um yeah we did bloomer creek we did uh we did the restaurant right next door which was really good and it's the stonefish grill or stonefish stone cat cafe stone Stone cat Yeah, not you've got bonefish grill on the mind. We keep on talking about bonefish for some reason. Because it's hilarious. I know. It's I, I we we it's it's hard, and this actually wraps into our actual conversation today instead of random nostalgicizing, which I believe is a word. Nostalgicizing. Congratulations. Adding new words to the vocabulary. <laughs> um we we've been, you know, joking around about, you know, trying to tell people about good restaurants to go to and really good food to eat, not just good restaurants to go to. We obviously talk a lot about, you know, good restaurants around Rochester, you know, anywhere I go on my travels, uh, whether it's Boston or other cities, talk about great restaurants to go to. But really what we're actually talking about is good food to eat, regardless and, of if it's at a restaurant or not. And and the big thing is it's not just good food or it's, Try to make sure it's local food too. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I think we're both on the same page with you know eating local food, and, you know, preferably natural grown, and whether it's making it at home or eating at a restaurant, I think that's something we both look for. And what we've been, you know, you and I have been talking about for a long time is home cooking because we both love going out to restaurants, but. I think we both try to cook at home a lot, and you're actually much more prolific at it than I am. Mostly for it's it's a it's a nice way to control the ingredients and not overeat and stay in some shape that's other than round. Yeah, at least partially not. But yeah, because we we end up even when we're over at your place, we do end up cooking at least a meal or two, um, usually. I don't know if we did the last. Usually we do. Last time, no, it was because that was only about a day and a half worth, and that was a lot. Yeah. But we did make that last time I was up at your place in the summer. Actually, it was I don't know it was the day before the time before that when we made the open face BLTs. Oh because, yeah, yeah, just because. Was, yeah, that was great. We uh, I don't even remember why it was that, but I think it was like the very beginning of tomato season. 
So Pro- we, went- the, 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 we don't really need a reason to make BLTs, but yeah, I mean, it, it did turn out sure. fantastic. Tomatoes. <laughs> we 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 did we did go all out. We had you know good local. Do we have McCann's bacon? I think we might have had McCann's bacon yep. on that. McCann's bacon, homemade uh, aioli. Well, and for some, we decided that we decided to test whether or not your oven actually was held certain temperatures. And guess what? Your thermometer was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, I've, I've found it's weird. Sometimes it's right. The oven's like right on where it says it is. And sometimes it's not. But it's, yeah, it's unpredictable. It's not the best of ovens. Also, that's. We just we also figured out how to cook bacon in under eight minutes. Yeah, really quick. We had it sandwiched, and it was that oven was rolling. I think it was probably four, five, over four hundred degrees for sure. Yup. Yup. So, the aside aside, what we kind of wanted to talk about today was um, making food at home, and not not in a ton of detail. But also the phenomenon of the meal service thing. I know we're a bit behind on this, but hey, we're talking now. And meal service, meal services are still really hot, and there's lots to choose from. But I think they all kind of fall in the same vein. Each one has its own little, you know, the little tweaks and different versions of the meal service thing. But the basic philosophy of all of them is about the same. Um so I think you have, do you have a list up of the different services? I mean, we can list them off uh, or just say what <clears> some <throat> of the top see. ones are. The ones I have are, well, so the most, the, the originator was Blue Apron back in 2012, I think. But now I think it's out of all the well-known ones is about seven or eight. So things like Green Chef, Hello Fresh, uh, Martha Stewart's version, Martha and Marley, Plated, Sun Basket, and the Home Chef, which was recently bought up by Kroger. Yeah, and I think, does Amazon have one, too? Oh, yes. Oh, and we call, can't forget about Amazon. Yeah. They it's... just kind of decided to throw their hat in the ring. Which, which... I'm, I'm sure won't make a mark at all because it's Amazon. I think when they I think when Amazon decided to do home uh, meal kits, it destroyed Blue Apron's um, stock, stock offering. Yeah, I was stock like, price. Right. yeah, I was like, hey, guys, you just did stock. Ha, how about this? Bam. <laughs> I think, it, I think it tanked uh, Blue Apron by about 12%. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of options out there. Personally, I've actually had subscriptions for some time. Not not for very long. We did a few weeks, uh, maybe a month or two, of Blue Apron. And I also did a little bit of time on HelloFresh as well. The nice thing is for almost all of these services, if you do want to try them out, they give you like $40 off your first order. So you end up getting the first you know, week or two of food basically for free and you can try it out and see if you like it. So whatever, despite the fact, whatever we say here, I think it's, it's worth trying it out because the food ends up being really damn cheap for the first week or two. Oh, I completely agree. I haven't, not having tried them. I think it's a nice entry for people that are either um, unsure or want to try new things that don't require necessarily going out all the time. Yeah, I think for for the benefits of these services, um, especially Blue Apron, the diversity of not only ingredients, different um, culinary centers from all over the world, you get, they actually have, the diversity of recipes is actually pretty good. It's not wholly centered on American tastes, although, you know, the dishes aren't like, they're not weird food. Yeah, if you're an adventurous eater, this is probably not going to be for you. Yeah, but they do have dishes like they'll have like a pozole. They'll have, you know, Moroccan spices. Everything's relatively approachable, but they're not 100% dumbing it down. It's not just like, hey, we're making a turkey wrap today. Congratulations. You made a turkey wrap. Right. They, they it have, tastes th- dry. <laughs> they do have a number of interesting dishes on there, and it does expose you to ingredients that you might not have seen before which is good if you're not a severe cooking and food nerd like we are. I guess I'm expecting you to talk there. Oh, no, you froze a little bit. No, oh, okay. So you, you were waving at the frozen version of me on the, on the computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, getting used to this whole Skype thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, these services do expose you to different things. And that is nice if you are limited in your food knowledge or 
and want to learn a little bit more. That is very nice. One of the, you know, somewhat downsides is that you're talking about um, $10 per meal per person. Usually at a minimum. Sometimes they have, looking at some of their weekly uh, weekly menus, is they have some things that might be a little bit less. But on average, you're talking about between 10 and $15 a meal. And I just found it's per person, not per meal. Yeah, so that's for... For two people, I think, like I said, I think most of at least the ones I tried for HelloFresh and Blue Apron, they were $10 a person per meal or like $9 and something cents, basically $10 a person. Um, so it's not as cheap as it would seem. The very nice thing is they do portion everything out for you. You have a recipe that's pre-made for that meal. Uh, downside, there is no leftovers. It is one meal's worth of food. And so would you consider which when you did yours, was it kind of like Legos for cooking? Um, they don't, it's not like everything's pre-chopped. So you still have to go through the prep part of making a meal. Um, and you know, for me, I don't, the recipes aren't catered to my tastes. So I had to adjust just about every recipe to make it taste better to me. Well, you, you always are uh, heavy with the salt. I'd say it was, they tended to be actually surprisingly some of them were heavier on the salt than you'd think. Oh really? Yeah, some of them were like, "Oh, you're using one clove of garlic for two people's worth of food." I'm like, "I don't know if I can taste garlic at one clove per two people's worth of food." Who uses one clove of garlic for two people? I don't know. I've never used one clove of garlic for anything. <laughs> well, I take that back. I've used one clove of garlic when it's like grated raw into guacamole. But Fair. that's like about it. I've never like it's hard to use less than three in anything. I agree. I'm someone who's heavy handed on garlic. So when, so, I, when you, someone says three, I go, well, for how many people? Yeah. Three so per person? Sure. It's it, it, the recipes are overall, they <clears throat> tended to be pretty good. I did the vegetarian version on HelloFresh. Um, th- I'd say the biggest issue with any of them was that. With the way they do it, some of them tend to be heavy-handed on the on the oil and other things like that. And if you want to cook light, I'm not sure they're always really they're not really catered to light. Maybe it's calorie restricted in some form because of the you know total amount of ingredients, but they're not necessarily. If you want to cook a specific way, you don't get to do that because it's obviously restrictive, which is great for a lot of people. But but do you feel like it? Uh, it kind of catered to two, to two of the main selling points, which is reducing the amount of time required to procure and cook a meal versus and lowering the overall stress of having to go out and to perform all the logistics of having to forage, I guess. I, I think harvest. that's the yeah for, forage at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> or are you talking about actually foraging, going to get morels and ramps? The former. <laughs> the former. Oh, thank, <laughs> thanks. Um, no, it, it, it does – if you consider going to the grocery store, something you don't want to do. Um, and if you're buying one meal at a time, if you're shopping every day for dinner, yeah, this does take that effort away. And if you're going to here in Rochester, you're going to like East, East Ave Wegmans or Pittsford Wegmans or something on a daily basis. I could see how this would be a significant savings in stress and misery. Or, or even having to go to, if you're, let's say you're in a big city that doesn't have have all these grocery stores available to you readily available or don't even have a car, for example, and having to carry everything back, having all this delivered to you would be a very nice selling point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think for me, because most of the time my dinners tend to be hacked together. Um, you know, I'm not doing big productions every day where I'm cooking a protein. I'm cooking, you know, a vegetable, I'm cooking all this. I tend to have a little hack together bowl of food, basically. It sounds like you cook just like a chef at home. Yeah, it's like I, I, I cook a lot of rice in advance, and then I kind of hack everything together. Like, oh, throw some brown rice. I'm going to throw some mushrooms and tofu in a pan. And then and put some, some eggs. Yeah, and then either um, some eggs or hot sauce or whatever I want. Just make it delicious. It sounds exactly like a, a busy chef would make it. Yeah, it's quick. it's quick food. But Quick I think the food, other but delicious. Yeah, I think the other thing that I I tend to do 
when I cook at home is I tend to cook in batches. I tend to make bigger bunches of food. And I think that, I think that's the one thing about this is if you want a specific different meal every day, this is really nice. I, I agree. I'm good eating the same thing like every day for relatively forever. I mean, as long as it's not garbage, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, but, I, I think there's a somewhat of an advantage to cooking similar food every day. And I, and I, and I do the same thing. I batch my food too, just due to, it's, it's, it's more, it's more economical. It's more, it's feasible instead of having to cook every, a different meal every day in dirty dishes, despite having a dishwasher. It seems like a major hassle to just to use the same to use the same cookware all the time just to make something different. Whereas you could just do batches, say two or three different batches, and have a variety. It's not might not be as big of a variety as say a different meal per day, but it's it's good enough to keep your palate interested, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the other big advantage of this, I mean, the, we talked about the variety, but also the fact that it does. You know, for a lot of people, it's not not the choice between cooking at home and, you know, cooking your own meal at home and cooking this at home. For many people, it's a choice between cooking anything at home and, and, going, out. and going out. Or getting takeout or something else that is, is convenient. Yeah. And I, I think the, you know, part of the analysis of the whole situation is you can actually eat, you know, takeout cheaper than these meals cost. Yes, you can. It may not be as, as healthy, yeah. but you can. But I mean, for $10 a person, you know, you can, I mean, I can eat at a <laughs> Thai place or eat somewhere else that is pretty tasty and come home with the same amount or more of food. Now I thought you were going to reminisce about the five, the five cheeseburger thing. Five cheeseburger. The five cheeseburger for thirty nine cents deal. Oh my or, god! Well, that that's all another story. <laughs> I never really did that. Was that was that a thing you did when you were little? I think so. Yeah, I remember doing that. It was it wasn't good. No, I I do remember doing that. My my dad is uh, not one to pass up a deal, and I do remember at some point we did go to eat there, eat there with the uh, the cheap cheeseburgers, and we just got sacks of them. <laughs> I don't think we did it a lot, but I do remember doing it at least once. Right, so you can yeah, so you can eat okay or decently for under the price per meal that that these meal kits purport. Yeah, I think the big thing is if if you get comfortable going without the guidance of a recipe that they're giving you, you have that freedom of going to the store and buying your own ingredients, having to pick what to get. Obviously, there's an insane amount of recipes out there if you're not comfortable freelancing with your food. Now, at a, at a certain point, you become comfortable just like, oh, I'm just going to grab stuff and throw it in a thing and make it delicious. But I find that this, I think that these meals are nice, hopefully a nice window for people that, for their, for their own curiosity. And I can see that being a, I can see it being a problem with, as far as maintaining a customer base, isn't that you don't really you, you're kind of not making them dependent upon you you by making them curious you end up pushing them out of your market yeah i mean which which is is good which for is the general it's good for the general knowledge of cooking at home though right i and i I'm just, i was actually looking at to see whether or not you learned anything from from these uh, from these meal kit services did it teach you anything or cuz i know because i know looking at some of these some of the companies that they actually do their own meals they do the meals and plus for you Oh really? Kind of they, ch the they chop the ingredients too. Yep. Wow. They do. Some of them chop the ingredients for you. See, all, I think all the ones I got were they were portioned. So if they wanted you to use two cloves of garlic, you got two cloves of garlic. <laughs> um, some of them you got like a small head or something because they just didn't pre-portion them like that. Uh, but generally, they were you got a small amount of ingredient for that meal. And it wasn't like you get a whole head of garlic, you get a whole onion, you get all this stuff. Or they'd send a small-ass onion or something, you know. Yeah, it's so it really is nothing left over then. 
Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see leftovers when we ate them. I thought they were one meal worth of food. Exactly one meal, no more, no less type of thing. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I could see somebody wanting more, but I think most of the time we were satiated without being overly full eating one of those meals. So does it actually end up saving time? Let's just say you wanted to have leftovers, though. If you count, the, if you don't count the buying of food time, right? Okay. Because you know, we know that if you count the buying of food time, it obviously saves time because it just shows up at your door. Now, if you don't count the buying of food time, uh, I don't know if it really saves that much time because you have to unwrap everything when it shows up. You still have to read a recipe, understand what you're doing. Because you you get all the ingredients you want to follow the recipe. If you're just and, if you're just throwing stuff together, you don't think about it. You just start cooking. It's it, the thing as I'm looking at is you know how some people are are afraid to you know they they, they say they'll you know they'll burn water for some reason. I have heard, but that, I'm looking. Yes. Huh? I have heard that yes. Yeah, but I'm looking at see whether or not these kits actually allow people to feel more comfortable in the kitchen. Uh, learning some, whether they feel like they're learning skills like knife skills or the, the idea of knowing what medium feels like or medium tastes like or what sauteing is and how not to burn things. I think in general, yeah, they're, they're pretty good about going step by step in the recipes. I think most of the time they're good about breaking it down. I think sometimes they, they assume you know something about cooking, but I think they give more instructions on their website if you need them too. Okay, so it's so they are so they are they are helping you learn. I think so. I think there is at least some some benefit to it. Now, obviously, on the financial downside, is if you're doing larger scale cooking and buying your own ingredients, you can make a lot of meals for cheaper. We were just oh, talking definitely. We were just talking oh, about before before we started how for that same like twenty dollars for two people, you know, we could make two people's worth of food for a week. We're pretty damn close to that. So you're saying that these so these meals, I guess these meal kits would not really work well for families. I don't think so. I mean, if you're if you're at a certain point of you know uh, well offitude and you want that variety and you want the ease of not going to the grocery store, I I could see it working for somebody. But if you're trying to balance things out and you know, cook in large quantities. I, it's not. It's not for that. And it, it turns out most of the food I cook is like that. I like stews. I like soups. Um, you know, all those kind of things. That's what I end up cooking a lot of. And it's mostly like having some efficiency with it. Yeah, I think for me that's a big thing. Um, and I, I think, and it, it's hard because I know that we're kind of the exception to the rule that we read about. You know, different cuisines. We read a lot about how to do things. So even if we haven't tried it before, we have some semblance of how dishes are put together. How just not even how dishes are put together, but how to, how to actually perform the mechanical tasks of cooking the set of meal. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it is an experience thing and that is a benefit to doing those is getting some of that experience. But after, after a while it's, it was it was a little bit frustrating to get restrained like that when most of the time I just like freelancing and doing whatever. Yeah, so you are metaphorically and literally cooking in a box. Yeah, and which which again is could be very good for most people or for for some people. I don't know if it's most anymore because I think the interest in cooking and doing all these things has obviously gone drastically higher in the last few years. Has it? Kind of, I'm trying to figure. Has it actually gone higher? I haven't really seen that much focus on people cooking it's it's mostly on it's people I mean, companies blaming millennials for their for, for not shopping for groceries for eating out more for eating avocados on toast yeah that house that whole house problem yeah can't you can't you can't buy a house if you got avocados i <clears throat> it's hard to disagree well, um, well obviously but yeah i mean it's like i at home and like we read you know, internet columnists that write about how food works and we have books about how food works. And how, I think why certain cooking methods work versus others. Exactly. I, I think there's, we have, we've invested a lot of time and effort into this subject over time. 
Yeah, and fortunately for, for me and probably for you, too, is that for me, cooking's like, it's not really, I wouldn't call it somewhat, it's just a hobby. It's more of relaxation. Some people have, you know, running. Some people do yoga. For me, it's chopping up vegetables or something or putting together a stew. And it's it's almost like I don't even think about it at this point. Yeah, I, I enjoy the part of doing it. Whatever causes me anxiety is thinking about doing it. When I'm actually cooking, it's I never. It's very pleasurable. I really enjoy it. And that's the thing. We're not saying commercial cooking. We're saying home cooking. Yeah, that's much, a, that's a whole different, different world. Yeah, it's a whole different world. Hey, hey Stromy, do you want to be a chef? Nope. No. No. And it's weird because you, you always have the you always have ideas of something you'd want to do in a commercial setting, and then you think about it, and you're like, no, I don't want to do that. That seems like seems like an awful way to do everything. <laughs> so you're telling me it takes me it takes an hour and a half to make this dish? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, so you you have to have it done in you know ten minutes or fifteen minutes, and yeah, I'm, <laughs> I I keep I, there's always ideas running around in my head like, oh geez, I'd love to make that business happen. I think that could work here in Rochester or wherever, and I'm like, oh, nope. <sighs> Then I'm like, oh, I'd have to just not, not have sleep. any, yeah, not sleep, not have any time to, for anything. But it still pops so up. You, I still want to try. It's like, it. So you want? It's like so you wanted to podcast today? Yeah, probably exactly. not. No, you, you can do it while you're chopping or baking or doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> um. So, so, what other things do you want to talk about with as far as meal kits? We talked about the nice, the, the convenience of it and, and the learning yeah. aspect of it. Well, I think but what, what about the accessibility? Well, I think what we should do is take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of our go-to recipes and styles that we use at home and whatever else we decide to do. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Back with the second part. I don't know how long it's going to be, but the second part of my discussion with my good friend Brian Chu from from the mean streets of Newton, Massachusetts, live the via fires, Skype. The fireside chats. The, fi- the fireside chats continue. And what we're talking about today is home cooking. Uh, we talked about some of the subscription meal services. And what I want to do after we got back from the break and then see where we go is to talk a little bit about some of uh, our go-to dishes that we make we make at home to, I don't know about give ideas to people, but these are the kind of things we do at home for our day-to-day meals and maybe a couple of our weird experiments we've done too. So uh, why don't you start? Because I know you've got a lot of go-to dishes that you work through. So, so where to start? I mean, given... So I've kind of jumped on board the, the Instant Pot bandwagon so i do a lot of stews a lot of chilies uh, a lot of things with beans so things that would take forever br- to briefly make. describe your instant pot what is my it? instant pot is delicious um sorry <laughs> it's a it's it's a multi-cooker aka it can form as a slow cooker can perform as a but what i usually use it for is a pressure cooker which allows you to cook um at high temperatures due to higher increased pressure but we don't need to go on to the physics of it no, although we could, we're not going to. We could. But I try to do a lot of uh, Indian dishes now, like chana masala, which is chickpea-based, and chickpea and tomato-based. And what would take a normal, which would take you know, about two, three hours just trying to cook chickpeas normally. But I like to have it done in 40 minutes. 
Yeah, you have to pre-soak when you're doing it in a pot. You have to you know, really balance everything out and do it in stages. Well, you, using the pressure cooker, and I, I have the same one at home, uh, you can do one on the stove. There's other models. Uh, the Instant Pot right now is maybe the most popular version of this uh, plug-in pressure cooker that you can buy. Yep, nice to have. I mean, despite having another utensil, it's nice to have not take up any more um, stove space. Yeah, and for for me, it basically has replaced my rice cooker as a utility at home. Uh, it hasn't replaced my rice cooker yet, considering I have a Zojirushi. Yeah. It's, it's not going to replace that. So, yeah, he, he has an expensive rice cooker. Zojirushi is kind of the, you know, high-end rice cooker. And the rice it makes is just, it is delightful. And it plays music when it's done. Yeah, very nice music, too. So it's usually, so some of those are some of the, I guess, long burn Large, large dishes. Other dishes are more um, Asian, Chinese, uh, Thai dishes. So things like mapo tofu. Um, Which describe? So mapo tofu is a very aggressive dish and very it can be a very very spicy dish. It's Szechuan, so it's it has something called mala, which is heat and, and numbingness in in the flavors. And the good thing about it is that it can be catered to vegetarian, vegan. Or you can throw a little pork in there to make it taste nice, but it's made it's, of. But it's it very has flexible. A, it's very flexible. It's uh, the base of it is a fermented, spicy chili bean or soybean, which, if you're not used to it, can be, uh, quite aggressive, especially if you add too much of it. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting because you can buy it, you buy you can buy it pre-mixed with chili, which is the way I think we've been buying it is. Um, you'll see it in jars. It'll be listed as like, um, was it like broad a, bean, broad bean, chili paste, bro- fermented broad bean and chili paste, uh, pixian, uh, chili paste. You'll see it in bags. You'll see it in jars. Sometimes it'll just be like Szechuan paste. Um, sometimes it comes in oil. Sometimes it's just all the stuff fermented together. And it's, it's one of those ingredients that once you have it in the house, you, I end up using it a lot because it's, uh, it's delightful. And you really don't need to add, it's, it's one of those kind of don't need to add salt to it after a while because it's so salty to begin yeah. with and you don't need much of it in general. It's kind of like, and I, it's weird because like I consider using miso a basic thing now, but like, it's like using miso, it's concentrated, it's very, uh, there's a lot of umami to it. So it's got this meaty flavor, even though it's just all, you know, beans and chilies. So it's beans, chilies, and I think that some of them have garlic and other fermented black beans in it as well. So yeah. you can get a nice mixture of it. Uh, so yeah, so mop, that's the mapo tofu part of it. Um, you had a lot of the, you had, well, you had it's uh, also usually silken tofu in there, right? I go, I, I go between um, soft tofu and silken tofu, and yes, I can actually tell the difference now considering I've had it so much. I like that because sil- silken tofu is just like. It's just there. It's not, there's, there's no chewing to it. It's like it adds body to the sauce. Yeah. It almost Think breaks it apart. Way. It almost breaks apart in the sauce. If you over stir it after you put it in. Which is guaranteed to happen considering it takes, it really realistically including all the prep, maybe a half hour to make. Yeah. It's a, it's a relatively quick dish and I, I do have a, a version of that. I make it as a stew and I'll cook, I'll cook it all out. I'll add, you know, extra vegetables. Um, I use uh, Chinese broccoli in mine. So instead of adding meat, I, I cook mostly vegan at home just because, you know, with the, with the addition of all these kind of flavors, you know, like the fermented bean paste and those kind Especially of things. Especially tofu. The tofu yeah. helps satisfy you at least. Absolutely. But making something along the lines of that uh, mapo tofu, uh, I add uh, like Chinese broccoli and uh, brown rice that I'll cook in the pressure cooker as well. And tons of garlic. Tons of garlic. Tons I, use, of garlic. I, I use a lot of Szechuan peppercorns just because I love the flavor of them. I found, yeah, I found that after eating a lot of spicy food, when it's not as spicy, it's kind of less interesting. I don't know why, but it just... You get accustomed to it, I think, after a while. I don't like that. I like, so the food doesn't make me sweat a little bit. Am I missing out on something? Yeah. So I think the other stuff I end up doing a lot at home, I do a lot of harvest stews. 
So it doesn't have to be, you know, Asian flavors. For me, you know, using the pressure cooker or cooking on the stove, you know, really going to going to your local market, um, preferably, you know, going to a market that has local producers and buying whatever's in season. Um, you, you have a lot of opportunity to make great food. And especially right now as we're getting into the heart of spring, there's tons of vegetables that you can buy. It's not make, spring. Well, it's basically spring. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's, it's 85 degrees, but um, we're getting, you know, spring vegetables right now. You're getting peas and asparagus <laughs> and ramps, um, those kind of things. Uh, you get fava beans, early fava beans, stuff like that. They make for, you know, absolutely amazing, simple cooking, you know, this time of year. I haven't, I haven't really checked up my normal rotation, but I'll probably start including some, well, especially asparagus, especially now that we have, now that it's naturally nice outside, break out the grill, do some grilled vegetables, steamed vegetables, anything that's, I'm trying to include more vegetables, trying yeah. to be healthier, so. Yeah, the, I, and I think when you're in season and you have a chance to eat vegetables, um, you don't have to be fancy with your techniques. You can, the quick steam, the quick grill, um, quick pan saute, and you've got vegetables that are just cooked, but that crispness, that green flavor that they're bringing is, you know, this time of year is kind of hard to, kind of hard to beat. It's really fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of a fall uh, more fall, especially when basically when tomatoes come around is, is my zone. Yeah, t- tomatoes are. I mean, it's amazing to cook with fresh tomatoes. Um, you don't even have to cook them; you just slice them and salt them, and they're delightful. I, I was just gonna say salted tomato with maybe a little bit of cheese is fine. Yeah, it's no not. Bread. That's not bad. <laughs> um, trying to think what else I've been cooking at home. You know, I I definitely do. You know, I like my black beans and rice kind of dishes, so. You know, doing a little more of the Cajun flavors. Doing doing the yeah, so you were you were trendy. So you were being trendy before bowls became trendy. Unfortunately, yes. Um, I, I've I've enjoyed doing, uh, you know, those cooked stews with with rice and flavors, and like Brian said, doing Indian flavors. Um, you do Thai flavors. You do Korean flavors. Just a mishmash. It's almost like if. If you don't even hear it, it's called bibimbap. Yeah, exactly. Except without the searing hot uh, molten bowl. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite Korean dishes. I mean, it's, you know, basic, too. It's just mixed rice in a hot clay bowl. And the first time I had it was actually with you in Boston. Yep. It is at at some food court, at some random food court. Yeah, some random food court with all different cuisines from around Asia, and we sat down and I'm like, what what is what is this? And we ate it, and I was like, oh, it's delicious. I, I like Korean food now. This is awesome. <laughs> but these it's just these dishes are nice. Well, for us, they are approachable, they're simple, and they're time saving, and they're economical, and they most importantly they taste good because. We wouldn't really eat it if it didn't taste any good. Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing is, you know, by by batching some of these foods out, by using what's fresh. Um, I, I, I actually batch out a lot of them. I freeze them in, like, the Ziploc plastic containers. And I would say Ziploc plastic bags. <laughs> I freeze my stews in plastic bags, and then I slice them open and pour them out. Now, um, well, you, have you – speaking uh, – sorry, as a tangent, have you – that's actually a nice way to, uh, nice way to store them. What stews? In plastic, yeah, in plastic bags. You could, and of course, soups and freezer bags. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. Um, I don't just because for, for me, I I bring them to work. So stew, <laughs> stew in a bag, <laughs> slap it down on my desk when I get to work. <laughs> Hope it doesn't break all over my new desk. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're that guy. Yeah, yeah. You start microwaving fish at work. <laughs> Sounds like a brilliant idea. Yeah, no, it's for for me. I, I use the Ziploc containers. I think they're like, I think they're like four cup, maybe two two and a half cups, something like that. And it's the perfect size for a lunch for me when I'm doing soups and stews, and I can bring it to work really easily. Have a home cooked meal and feel good about that. One, it it is saving money. Two, I know exactly what I put into it. 
And, and that's that's the, that's the big thing for me is being able to know what the ingredients were and how much salt was put in, and right. just not to <clears throat> just not to feel disgusting or feel logy after. Yeah, I mean, I I could go out and eat, and I, it's not like I haven't gone out at lunch and ate at local restaurants uh, where my old my old work was located. You know, I could get down to uh, there's a couple of Vietnamese places where I could go eat. And that, that was nice and light. There's always there's always light options out there, but you know, it's sometimes hard to hard not to go to the Cuban place and get roast pork and black beans and rice and just destroy the rest of your day because like, oh this <laughs> like, was well, I'm a waste. This was delicious, but I just ate roast pork and stuff for lunch and I'm done. This it, the day is over. You can get a large. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think with the chicharron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's hard to beat. I, I do. I remember where where we. I think we were at El Latino, and yeah. we walked in, and it was two people that walked in, and they ordered two larges, and it was just for the two of them. And I was like, I I don't understand. I can eat a lot of food without without a shadow of a doubt. I'm not a small guy. I can eat, and I I just can't fathom eating a large of that kind of food. It's a lot of food at those kind of places. It is. It's, it's several pounds. It's more than a couple pounds of food. Yeah. And you know what? Even a small at those places is way more than a lunch is. And that's why it's the other reason I really like the pre-portioning of the food that I bring to work or that I cook and have ready to eat is I know I can have a portion of food that is reasonable That'll get me through till the next meal, and it's something I'm going to enjoy just about every time. Right, and it's not like some people might say, "Oh, well, that's it's a little bit boring." But if, it depends on what your goal is. Realistically, I, I like to have things that taste good, but also aren't, aren't don't go right to the don't go right to the uh, waistline all the time, especially if you're sitting all day. Yeah, which is obviously a problem for most people, which is, again, one of the reasons why doing these pre-batch things and you're getting food that's, you know, we talked about meal services, but even compared to getting, you know, frozen meals, you can cook for about the same price as that um, and get something that's much more enjoyable and healthier at the same time. And you learn something by having to make it is the big part for me is just being edu- edu- being educated about how to um, making one stew that can easily carry over how to make another stew. And and it just spirals out of control where you end up having like eight meals that you made that you can't eat them all in the week. So it's a problem. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Education. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> yeah. Star. Rainbow. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think that's about what I wanted to cover for today. Um, unless you had any other random home cooking thoughts. Uh, not really. It's it's a problem when you when so the problem so one of the problems with home cooking is that you don't usually cook for one. Yeah. So every most recipes are for four to six people. Yeah, I, I think that's where you do need to. And for me, it's the same thing. You have to be aware of how to batch properly. What does batch well? Like what if you're making well, yeah, it freezes well or refrigerates well. And if you're making, you know, a dish that has sensitive ingredients, um, you know, a good example for me is those uh, rice cakes. Uh, They're like little ovals of dense rice that are cooked into these, like, pucks of rice. Amazing when fresh. When they're, like, reheated, they're just one of the worst things you can eat. They're just terrible. Yeah, they end up just just the same with any rice other than, let's see. So basically long-grain rice is... Or any of the rice that you get from a takeout, from a mediocre to semi-okay takeout, is long grain rice. And when you reheat that, or if you leave it out, it turns into plastic. Yeah, if you, you if you refrigerate that, it without a sauce on it, basically, if it's refrigerated it turns, as rice, it gets crazy hard and dry. It turns into a rock essentially. And then if you yeah. try to reheat it, unless you unless you add water to it, it's going to turn in. It's going to remain. It's, it's just going to be a warm rock. Yeah, I actually, I actually did that the other day. I had a, we had some leftover sticky rice from a Thai place. That's and sticky rice. It was really, really hard 
when I pulled it out of the fridge. Um, I ended up chopping it up and putting it in a pan with water. It actually reheated pretty well. I mean, it didn't have the same texture. It was not quite porridge-like, but, you know. It you need a Zojirushi. Uh, not buying a $200 rice cooker. I'm just saying, it would be okay. It would be okay. It would be delicious. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing. No, the thing is, I, I'm getting spoiled with the... I do my brown rice in the pressure cooker, and I have brown rice. It's 21 minutes on high, and basically I have brown rice within a half an hour from hitting the button. And it's pretty good. Okay, okay, you can't argue with that, but still. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. And the other thing is, when I'm buying rice now, I actually started buying good rice. Of course, who wouldn't? It makes a big difference. Yeah, I know. It's a good thing. Yeah. Well, especially when you go to store. If you so, do you go to your, I guess, local Asian giant Asian food mart to get rice? I am right now. I would like to get it in a larger format. the The brand we've been buying only comes in like five pound bags. So they don't have the twenty five or fifty pound you know, yeah, sacks. That's what I wanted to get because I could get it for cheaper per pound. They don't. So they don't do that there. No, the, these ones. This is like a dollar fifty a pound brown rice. So okay. not crazy expensive, but it's certainly not cheap. It is. It is not the Carolina rice that you see at a normal a normal grocery store. Then yeah, it's not that, and that that's fine. It's it gets the job done. But if you're looking for texture and flavor of rice itself, spending <clears throat> the extra, I mean, twenty five cents a pound or. 50 cents a pound of rice, dry rice, is so completely worth it. So, well. If you're not okay, trying so to, maybe you don't need a Zojirushi yet. Yet. Give it time. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you want perfect rice all the time. Yeah. It might not be a bad investment. I, I think you're you're trying to convince me. You've had it. I've my had place. it. It's, it's great. It is, it's delicious. It does a great job One, cooking it. 100% of the time, it works. 100% of time, it works every time. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep on babbling if we don't turn this damn thing off. So I think that's what yeah. we're going to do. So um, if you want to yell at us for our opinions on food, you can find me at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram, Food About Town on Facebook. And if you want to yell at Brian, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at Chew on This. Yeah, for Twitter and, and, and Instagram. C-H-U-E. Yeah, not C-H-E-W. Right, because, yeah. So C-H-U-E on this on Twitter, and you can yell at Brian for his awful, awful, awful opinions or just because he's a bad person. So um, on that note, thanks for joining me on Live from Skype in beautiful Newton, Massachusetts. Bye, everyone. All right, bring it on high energy. See everybody later in the next episode of the Food About Town podcast. Good day.